Too good to be true. Have you, have you uh, anybody noticed any of these things in your world lately as I've been talking about this? Does it make you think of things that are too good to be true? Last week I talked about uh, opening cereal boxes. I know that sounds really lame, but it's really hard. And uh, I got, had somebody bring me a tip this morning that if you use a spoon to slide along the sides, you can actually do it without tearing the box top. So uh, thank you, Jeff. And a uh, tip for all of you people who acted like I was crazy, but you were really thinking I have the same trouble, right? Um, we're going to continue. We're going to wrap up this series today. We're going through John chapter 1, and so we'll finish today uh, with the last part of John chapter 1. And uh, we've been talking about how some, some things that we hear about our faith, maybe we read in Scripture or somebody that taught us one time that we thought, that sounds really good, but it, it's probably too good to be true. And how Jesus sort of answers that uh, by bringing things into our world, into our experience that sound too good to be true, but they're actually true. Jesus can do things in our world that, that are beyond our imagination and expectations. And so today we're going to talk about how Jesus is a light in the darkness, a light in the darkness. Uh, if you've ever spent a lot of time in darkness, particularly if it was not by your own choice, um, you, you understand the value of having a light in the darkness, don't you? I don't know if you've been through a, a, a blackout or, you, you know, the power went out, you didn't have candles or, um, you know, we used to do some spelunking when I was in uh, ministry in, in Southeast Kentucky. That's, that's diving into caves. Um, and uh, you have to make sure you have plenty of batteries on hand for your flashlights because if you don't, you end up in the darkest darkness <laughs> that you can imagine when you're inside a cave and your, your flashlight battery runs out. You're stuck and uh, it's pretty dark. Um, and what do, we, what do we do? How do we respond? Darkness can be really scary, can't it? Some people are afraid of the dark. And uh, there's some good reasons for that. There are scary things in the dark sometimes. Um, I don't know if you're one of those people. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like, I have to go check something? I, may, I left a candle burning or I left something on somewhere. I need to get up and go check something. We have a sleepwalker in our house, so I'm a really light sleeper, so when I hear noises in the house, I'm just sure that Camden is trying to get out or start a fire or something, so I'm up. Like, as soon as I hear noises, I'm up, and um, I'm one of those people, and maybe you're like this, whether you will admit it uh, or not, that you have this conversation inside you when you get up in the middle of the night about whether you need a light or not, and your brain is going, I don't need a light. I know this house backwards and forwards. I know where everything is. I don't need a light. Lights are for wimps. I got this, right? And your toes are, are arguing. They're saying, no, 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 no. We, we're going to need some light, buddy. We've been through this before. We've been down this road, and uh, we would appreciate it if you would just go ahead and turn some lights on, right? And uh, so I usually let my brain win, and I'll charge out into the pitch dark of our house and um, just just to see what happens, right? Sometimes you just, uh, you just, just want to take some risks. And uh, the worst is, if you guys still have kids and you have Legos in your home, the worst is the, the stray Lego that's on the floor that you can't see in the dark, and it will just murder the sole of your foot. I mean, it's awful. And that's the chance that you take if you don't turn the light on. But some of us, you know, we're just too stubborn or, you know, maybe a little arrogant or whatever it is that says, you know what, let's just go for it. We don't really need light. But Sometimes, like, it's really dangerous to function in the dark. If we try to do a lot of moving around, if we, if, we, if we try to go from one place to another and we don't have enough light to see where we're going, it's, we, can, we can get into some real trouble that way. 
And I don't just mean in a physical sense trying to cross your room. I mean, there are, there are spiritual Legos out there on the floor of your life, if you know what I'm talking about, right? When we try to function in the dark, and essentially what I mean by that is when, when we're operating off of our own understanding and knowledge of the world, we're, we're actually functioning in the dark. And when we try to go from one place to another in the dark, some bad things can happen. So Jesus comes to bring light, and so we're going to talk about what that looks like for us, and not just for us, but for the people in our lives that we love who are walking in darkness. So John chapter 1, you knew we were going to be there. Um, Let's jump into this. Again, John is one of the 12 disciples. And uh, he followed Jesus around for three years, wrote down the things that he saw and heard, and um, went on to, to be a leader in the church. He wrote a couple of other letters that show up later in the Bible, uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he also wrote Revelation. And so this is, this is John writing, and we're going to see in his writing a theme of light and darkness. It's, it's throughout the Gospel of John, and it's really prominent in the first letter that he wrote, 1st John. This theme of light and darkness is, is, uh, plays an important role. So let's jump in. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So he's already said in the first couple of verses that the Word was with God in the beginning. And we find out later the Word, specifically he's referring to Jesus. And, and now he says that the Word is, is life, and that his life is the light of men. So there's a connection between the life that Jesus came to bring and, and his representation to us as light, okay? So we talked about life a couple of weeks ago. If you were here, you remember I threw some Greek words at you, bios and zoe, two different Greek words for life. One is a natural life that kind of goes through the process of being born and you grow old and you die and that's bios. But Jesus came to bring something different, an eternal kind of life that death uh, can't interrupt, that death can't touch. That's the kind of life that John is talking about here, that Jesus, uh, his life is the light of men. This life that's eternal, that that death can't touch, and it's characterized by ever-increasing peace and joy and purpose, that life draws people to it like, like a light draws moths, right? That's what John is saying. Jesus is gonna talk about this a couple of different times in this gospel. In John chapter eight, verse 12, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, he's connecting light and life. This this life you're created for that's characterized by peace and joy and purpose, that Jesus' light is what reveals this. It exposes it. It makes it possible for us. This is how we get there. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It implies that the inverse of that is true as well, that if you don't follow me, then you will walk in darkness. And darkness doesn't lead to life. Walking in darkness doesn't lead to the life that you're created for, this life of peace and joy and purpose in in Christ. If you're not following Jesus, you're walking in darkness, and if you're walking in darkness, you can't get to the life you were made for. That's, That's what Jesus is saying. So let's see how that shows up in the lives of some uh, people that meet Jesus. We're going to finish out John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. The next day, again, John 
was standing. This is a different John, John the Baptist. It gets a little confusing with the two Johns. John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? So he's, he's just walking by. John the Baptist points him out to his disciples, and two of these guys say, well, if that's the Lamb of God, what are we doing with you? They turn around and start following Jesus. Jesus looks over his shoulder, and there are these two guys following him, and he's like, can I help you? You know, what's up? What, what are you guys looking for? And we see something happen that we see happen a lot in the Gospel of John, is somebody will ask a direct question that doesn't get answered. Their answer is, uh, he says, what are you seeking? And they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Well, that doesn't really answer Jesus' question, does it? He says, what, what are you looking for? How can I help you? And they just, they're like, well, where are you going? <laughs> can we just go with you? <laughs> That's, we don't, there, there's a sense in which you kind of get the idea. They don't really know what they're looking for. John the Baptist, his job was to prepare the way for Jesus. And so he's been talking about this Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and, and he's, he's going to set the people free. And he points out Jesus to them, and they don't really know what they're looking for. They don't know exactly who Jesus is and what he can do. But there's something about him that draws them in. Like moths to a flame, they're just drawn to him. And so he says, what are you seeking? And they're like, we're not really sure, but can we just go with you for a little while? And I don't know but if, about you, but I feel that way sometimes following Jesus. It's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I know if I stay close to him, I'm going to be okay. There's just this sense of confidence in being close to Jesus that, that makes me sometimes I don't really know where I'm going, but I know if I stay with him, I'm going to be okay. So let's pick up verse 39. He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So one of these guys is, is Andrew. He follows Jesus. He spends a day with Jesus. Uh, and his, his, the first thing he wants to do after that is go get his brother. He's like, Simon has got to meet Jesus, that's what I want most right now is for my brother to get in front of this guy and just to meet him. And so he goes and gets Simon. Jesus takes a, one look at Simon and changes his name, first meeting. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. I don't know if you had that in, in your high school. It happened in our high school. We had people who could just give people nicknames and whatever they said just would stick. And so um, you don't get to pick your own nickname. You know that, right? And so uh, I was Opie for, you know, three and a half years or so. <laughs> it's not that funny. I mean... It's very respectable. Ron Howard is a millionaire. Come on. All right. Anyway, so Jesus looks at Simon and says, I'm changing your name. We're going to call you The Rock. Peter's like, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll take that. And that's how we know him today. We know him as Peter, the, the Rock, because Jesus changed his name from Simon. So it's just interesting to me that Andrew sees Jesus. He's drawn to him. He spends a day with him and is like, I got to go get my brother. Right? All right, let's, let's continue. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So the same thing happens with Philip. Jesus sees Philip. He says, come on and follow me. And just like this was a normal thing that happened every day, Philip left everything and followed Jesus. And then Philip, like the next thing he wants to do is, yeah, but Nathaniel, Nathaniel hasn't met Jesus. I have to go get this guy. He's got to meet Jesus. So he brings his friend Nathaniel to Jesus. There is something about Jesus as a light that draws people out of darkness to him. They don't even know what they're looking for, but they see something in Jesus that, that draws them in. Mostly, these are people who recognize that they're in darkness. Not everybody does. These are people who look at the world that they live in and they acknowledge everything is not as it should be. That's pretty easy for us to admit when we, when we see the news or we just become aware of world events, right? You can look at the world and you go, everything is not as it should be, right? Everybody agree? The people who are most drawn to Jesus are also the ones who can look in the mirror and go, everything is not as it should be in me. There is, there is darkness in me. As much as I get frustrated and discouraged by the darkness I see in the world, I have to always acknowledge that there's also darkness in me. And these are the people that are drawn to Jesus, that are willing to acknowledge the darkness in themselves and, and, and be aware, I need some light. I need something to draw me out of this. And so they follow Jesus. They leave everything to follow Jesus. And their first reaction after spending some time with Jesus is, Everyone I, lo I love needs to meet Jesus. That's, that's their response. Everyone I love needs to meet Jesus. I, I think it's amazing to, to think about how these guys, their lives progress from this point. Andrew and Peter and Philip and Nathaniel and all the other guys who chose to leave everything to follow Jesus. What, what did their lives look like a few years after that? Well, Jesus told him right, right before he died, he said, in this world, you will have some trouble. Persecution is coming on you because you're going to stand for me and with me. Do you think when they first leave everything to follow Jesus that they have an idea of what that persecution is going to look like? No way. No way. Jesus told him, he told him multiple times that I'm going, I'm, I'm going to my death. I'm going to die. They refused to believe it all the way up until the day he was arrested. They refused to believe that Jesus was going to die. Do you think when he first looked at Philip and said, hey, come follow me, that Philip had any idea that this road was going to lead to a cross for Jesus? No way. Do you think Peter had any idea when he first said yes to Jesus that what lay ahead for him was a cross for himself? No way. He had no idea. They, they couldn't see the end of the road. All they could see was their next step. There was a sense in which following Jesus just gave them enough light for one step in the right direction. One step. That's usually not enough for us, is it? We want to see further down the road. We want a little more information. I think I would have had some questions for Jesus if he had come to me and said, Hey, Adam, come follow me. I'd have, I'd have had some questions where are we going? What, what are my responsibilities? How is this going to benefit me? Like, wouldn't you have some questions? 
And there were no answers for those questions at the time. They had enough light to take one step in the right direction. That's, that's what they did. It's called faith. And there's something about Jesus as the light and this life that he points us to of peace and joy and purpose that causes people to look at him and say, yes, even when we don't have all the information, even when we can only see one step ahead. That's what he's called us to. Jesus says this in John chapter 12, 35, 36. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Jesus says that when you're walking in darkness, you don't know where you're going. And here's, here's the sad truth about human beings. We can walk in darkness and have no idea where we're going and stubbornly refuse to admit it, can't we? We, we, can, just, we can just deny it outright. I know exactly where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want. I know what I need. I know what's best for me. We can be lost in the darkness and refuse the light because I would rather be in control of my own life and be lost than to give away control of my life. There are people who function that way all the time. There are seasons in your life when you function that way. I know what Jesus wants. I know, I know where the light is leading me, but I want to make my own choices. I want to choose for myself. And what Jesus says is that those who walk in darkness, they don't know where they're going. He, he says, if you, if you walk in darkness, you're lost whether you admit it or not. And walking in darkness does not lead to life. The life that you were created for cannot be found by walking in darkness. But when we follow Jesus, we have enough light for one step in the right direction. That's, that's all we need. That's not all we want, but it's all we need. So we're going to demonstrate that this morning. Uh, in just a second, we're going to turn the lights pretty much out. If that makes you really nervous and you need to leave or you want to get a flashlight out, that's okay. But... Um, you're all fine. You're all safe. Uh, we're going to turn the lights out for a minute and talk about darkness, okay? Go ahead, Justin. So uh, here's the reality. Uh, when, when we're in darkness, all we need is a little bit of light, right? But most of the time, we want more. We have these big questions for God, like, why does he allow evil and suffering in the world? Why do good people die before it's their time? We have these big questions for God, and we want a big light to shine and illuminate the whole world and all of our questions. But that's not really what we get. We get enough light for one step in the right direction. So when it comes to the decisions that we make, how much light do you need to make one step in the right direction? When it comes to your finances, let's just talk about a couple of examples. When it comes to your finances, and you, you, you need a filter for how you think about and use the resources that you have. So how do I allow the light of Jesus to illuminate the next step for me? Well, so it's his words and works that are his light, and, and Jesus' words about finances, one, one of the things he said goes like this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He said, you can go that way. That's, that way is darkness. 
That, that way doesn't lead to life. You can go that way. I'm telling you, you don't want to go that way. Instead, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? So if I'm going to let the light of Jesus illuminate my way for me, then I take those words and I say, God, whatever you have entrusted to me, I'm, I'm offering back to you. I will use my resources however you tell me to use my resources. I, I will let my filter be whatever honors God with my resources. That's what I'll do. Now, here's our problem. That is not enough light to tell me what my financial situation is going to be like 10 years from now, is it? It's not enough to assure me that I'm going to reach my retirement goals, is it? There's no guarantee that I'm going to know exactly where I'm going to land in the future. It's enough light to take one step in the right direction. Am I okay with that? Because that's what I'm being offered. What, what about in your relationships when it comes to your marriage? For those of, of us who are married, and, and maybe you've been in a relationship, in a marriage, where you're at a point where you feel like, I'm not, I'm not really getting what I need anymore. Like, I don't feel the way I used to feel. Like, I'm struggling to really invest in this because I don't know where it's going. I don't feel like there's, there's progress being made. I don't know what the future is going to look like if we keep going down this road. Would you allow the words and works of Jesus to illuminate your next step? Here's what that would look like. Here, here's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. He says, in fact, let your attitude be the same as that of Jesus, who humbled himself and became a servant to all. If that was my attitude in my relationship, is, does that tell me exactly where my relationship is going to end up five years from now or ten years from now? Does it make guarantees about my future happiness? No. But it's enough light for one step in the right direction. And here's why that matters. Because our direction determines our destination. Our direction determines our destination. If I can take one step in the right direction, then I'm on my way to the life that God created me for, this life of peace and joy and purpose. I'm on my way if I can take one step in the right direction. But I can't do that without the light of Jesus illuminating my next step. This is what he's called us to. So I just want to invite you. If you've been walking around in some darkness, maybe your whole life is not darkness, but there's a couple areas where you've just decided to, you're going to do what you want to do. You're going to make your own choices. You just don't want God to have control of this area of your life. Let, let me just encourage you that when you're walking in darkness, that can't lead to life. But if you will let the words and works of Jesus illuminate your next step, you can, you can move in the right direction. Following Jesus gives us enough light for one step in the right direction. And here's the beautiful thing, that we're not, this is not just about us. This is not just about me moving in the right direction. Just like uh, Andrew had to go and get his brother Simon and bring him to Jesus, just like Philip had to go and get his friend Nathaniel and bring him to Jesus, there are people that when we realize that Jesus gives us enough light to take one step, there are people that we should be going to and saying, you're not going to believe this, but I've found a way to move in the right direction every time. I've found a way, and I want you to know who he is. So this is why Jesus looks at his disciples in Matthew chapter 5 and says, you are the light of the world. You are. 
You remember in John 8, he said, I am the light of the world. And now he's looking at his disciples and says, because you have my light in you, you are now the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What makes a city visible at night? Is it one light or many? It's many. If there's only one, it doesn't stand out. It's the many lights of a city that make it visible at night. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and says, when all of you shine your light together, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Next he says, uh, in verse 15, he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He says, when all of you shine your light, you are going to draw people to Jesus through your obedience to him. Your, the way that you live your life is going to show people who Jesus is. So this is how this is supposed to work. If you have a light uh, in your pocket, in your purse, um, get that out and turn it on. Any kind of light. Sometimes we feel like we're, we're all alone. Maybe in your workplace, you don't know other people who are trying to let their light shine. Maybe in your neighborhood, you just don't see it happening. Maybe in your school, you feel like there's not a lot of light of Jesus being, being shown in, in your school. But, but if we look around for a minute, we're, we're not alone. Hold those up so people can see. There's a lot of darkness in the world. And if we're honest, there's a lot of darkness in us. But when we all will shine the little bit of light, just enough light to take one step in the right direction, when we'll all let that shine and hold it up, we can point people to Jesus. I, I know for most of you, you think that I'm not qualified for that. I, I don't know enough Bible verses. Like, I don't have this incredible transformation story. I, I'm not the one that's going to point people to Jesus. Well, you need to take that up with him because he's the one who said that you are the light of the world. We can bring the lights back up, Justin. Everybody close your eyes for a second. <laughs> because when you spend a lot of time in darkness, even the light can be harsh and painful, can't it? That's just a nugget for another day. Write that down. When the lights were out, I couldn't even see the back of the room. I couldn't see any people in this room. But... I had enough light for one step in the right direction. And that's really all I need. That's really all you need. I, I think we want more. We definitely wish we could get more. And we ask God these big questions and we're trying to get more light and more light and more light. And I think sometimes he just kind of looks at us and goes, I've given you enough to take one step in the right direction. Just be faithful and obedient to the next step. What is your next step? Is it gonna match up with what Jesus has taught you, what he's modeled for you, because that way leads to life. And to go out on my own, it's walking in darkness. I don't know where I'm going, whether I want to admit it or not. So a couple challenges here for you. If, if there's some darkness that's just kind of been sitting in you that you just haven't dealt with, or, or maybe you just didn't want to admit that it's there, you've been trying to avoid it because you don't know what to do with it. I would just encourage you to, to expose that little part of your heart to the light of Jesus today. That sounds like a really vague and not very concrete suggestion, right? Well, here, here's what I mean by that. Do you know 
who Jesus is? Do you know how he lived and what he said? If not, it's time to know. It's time to learn that. You need to dive in, start in the Gospel of John. Just pick up in chapter 2. We just went through chapter 1 in four weeks. Pick up in chapter 2 and read about Jesus. And let his words and works illuminate the dark places in your heart. Because that's the way that leads to life. For those of you that are living in the light of Christ, let me ask you, do you have a Simon in your life, a family member for him? This was a family member that he, he really was desperately wanting to introduce his family member to Jesus. Do you have somebody like that? Are you shining your light in such a way that, that they're going to see Christ, they're going to come to Christ because of your words and actions? You, don't, you, can't make a, you can't make them choose Jesus, but you can show them the light. This is why our, our mission statement here, it's, it's inviting people to life with Jesus. It's not inviting people to church. I, I want you to invite people to church. I think it's a great thing. I hope you invite people to church. But that's not the same thing as inviting them to life with Jesus, which is something that you can do. I know, it feels like, oh, I don't, I'm not qualified for that. But if you have a little bit of light of Jesus in you, you can show people who Christ is through the way that you live your life. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to do it together. We're a city on a hill. We're not uh, little lighthouses all on our own, okay? So examine your own heart. If there's darkness in you, bring that. Expose it to the light of Christ, to who he is, what he said, what he did, and let him lead you. Just one step. I know life change feels like a lot of big steps. Let's just take one at a time. One step in the right direction. And if you have people in your life, if you have a Peter or a Nathaniel in your life who you really want them to know Jesus. Invite them to life with Jesus. Let, let your words and actions move them in that direction. We have some great examples of this in our church family, I think. People who are doing this, they're living it out. One of our elders, Keith, uh, shared with me recently, there's, there's this guy that he's known for 20 years, been praying for him, been pointing him to Jesus for 20 years. And last month, he got to see this man baptized into Christ. After 20 years of faithful patience, isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Yeah. Another, another one of our elders is connected with a guy that he sees at the golf course uh, who's uh, battling cancer, and it's not going well, and the prognosis isn't good, and, and his mission is to be the light of Christ, and we hope for a, another redemption story there as well. But... These are, these are just normal people like you and me that are, are letting Christ show through their words and actions. You can do that. So I just want to encourage you, as I've done on uh, more than one occasion in the past, would you join me in praying for one? Would you pray every day, God, would you put one person in my life that I can point to Jesus with my words and actions? One person in my life. And, and you don't know what you're going to say when that moment comes. If God answers that prayer and you're like, well, I wouldn't even know what to do. Could you say something like this? Well, listen, there's a lot of things about God that I don't understand. There's a lot of questions I have that have never been answered. But following Jesus gives me enough light to take one step in the right direction. Could you say that? Something like that? I mean, I, I think people look at Christians and think that we think we, think we know everything. We think we've got it all figured out. We think we know how to equally divide right from wrong in every situation. And the truth is, we don't. But following Jesus gives us enough light to take one step in the right direction. And if you can share that with somebody, it could change their lives forever. If Andrew never goes and gets his brother Simon, there's a big hole in the Gospels, right? 
if you take Peter out of that. Who is it that God has put in your life that he wants to change their lives and do amazing things through them? And he's just kind of waiting on you to have a little courage and to take a little step. So I just want to encourage you with that, challenge you with that as we close. Pray for one, and, and your message can be just as simple as, listen, I don't have all the answers, I don't know everything, and I'm not a perfect person, but following Jesus gives me enough light to take one step in the right direction. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jesus bringing a light into the darkness of our world. We acknowledge there's a lot of darkness in the world around us, and sometimes it feels hopeless. And if we're honest, God, um, your spirit reveals that there's darkness in us as well. And so our prayer, Father, is that you would reveal the darkness that's in us, you would expose it to the light of Jesus, and that you would help us to move forward in the right direction towards the life that you created us for. And God, then would you please use us, the faithful followers of Christ in this room, to be a city on a hill, to shine our light into the darkness of of those people that we love, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, so that they can see enough of Jesus to be drawn to him as well. Would you do that in us and through us, Father, for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.